I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. He's got the ball. Jared Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Canberra Raiders and St. George Illawarra hooker, Simon Wolford. He's also the current head coach of the Huddersfield Giants, so it was really interesting to hear his perspective on what's going on at the moment over in the English Super League surrounding the uh, coronavirus break. You know, we actually recorded this a few weeks ago, so this was when they were at the peak of their uh, lockdown. So it was interesting to hear from a head coach, you know, how his relationship has changed with his players and how he's dealing with the current situation. They're still not sure when their season's going to kick back off, so we'll have to stay tuned for that. Uh, Simon goes through his entire career, starting from when he first arrived in Canberra. He actually arrived there as a, as a halfback, and uh, Tim Sheens decided that he had hooker written on his forehead, so he, he moved to hooker, and you know he arrived there as a halfback and learnt off Ricky Stewart in Canberra, then moved to hooker and got to learn off the great Steve Walters. So he sort of, you know, he had the traineeship made of dreams. Just an incredible few years there to start his career learning off two absolute legends of rugby league he uh, he obviously spent a lot of time playing in the under 21 side which he was coached by a young Craig Bellamy so some cracking stories Simon tells of a young Craig Bellamy not much has changed he seemed to have been an absolute lunatic the entire way through uh, he talks about how eventually he became the captain of the Canberra Raiders which was a great honor for him you know there was some really top-notch players there at the same time that could have got the captaincy like Ruben Wiki and a few other guys and you know Simon speaks about the privilege of captaining his beloved Raiders and then the heartbreak of having to leave the Raiders in um, 2006 he ended up moving on to the St. George Illawarra Dragons where he played two seasons and that was a St. George Illawarra Dragon side that was really leading up to something he retired in 08 and Wayne Bennett arrived in 2009 and he actually asked Simon Wolford to come out of retirement and play an extra year and Simon tells that story that he pondered it, he thought about it, and, you know, eventually he just decided that he couldn't go through with it, which is unfortunate because, of course, 18 months later, 
the Dragons would lift the trophy. And, you know, Simon could have been a part of that premiership winning team. We know how much Wayne loves, you know, old experienced players, but it wasn't meant to be. A really great chat there. I don't think there's any greater compliment to someone than Wayne Bennett asking them to come out of retirement to play. Uh, since retiring from the NRL, he's gone on to be the coach of the Huddersfield Giants. He's got a lot of um, Aussie, you know, former NRL players over there with him at the moment, including Aiden Caesar, who they've recently signed, and they're absolutely flying at the moment. Before the COVID break, the Huddersfield Giants were flying, and he's doing really well over there. It's a great chat. I hope you enjoy it. Let's kick it off. Simon, welcome on, mate. It's good for having me. Mate, I imagine as the head coach of the Huddersfield Giants, it must be a pretty crazy time for you at, at the moment. Can you uh, explain to us the landscape at the moment over in England? Now we're into uh, week four of lockdown at the moment, so there's not a lot to do really. I mean, apart from your essential, you know, your groceries, your petrol, um, your chemists, the banks, apart from that, you know, there there are a few restaurants doing delivery, but, um, you know, as far as going to get yourself a coffee or a takeaway coffee, you know, all those luxuries in life, we can't... Um, we can't access at the moment it's pretty um it's uh, pretty hard but like i said we're into week four it's gone really quick and um you know the most frustrating thing for us i guess is not knowing when this is going to end i mean i think the government's going to uh, revisit the lockdown in another three weeks but there's no guarantee they're going to um relax anything then either so that's that's the most frustrating thing not not knowing where the end is i mean there's still six, seven hundred people dying a day over here. So things, you know, they're not quite on top of it like they are in Australia. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know Australia's, when I say only, they're only around 100 deaths. So I think, I think um, over here, they're around 15, 16,000. So, um, you know, it's a bit different over here. But um, hopefully the curve they always talk about is starting to flatten out and we can, um, we can see some light at the end of the tunnel soon. Mate, obviously unprecedented times, and I'm sure as a head coach it must be extremely difficult. How much contact are you having with your boys at the moment? Well, all we can do is, you know, you know, I'm obviously ringing in. I'm, I'm making six to ten calls a day, you know, checking on players, checking on staff, and that's really hard over here. We're, we're on a um, on a furlough payment system from the government, so, um, you know, there's not a lot we can do. I mean, the players, you know, it's really up to the players to, to make sure they're um, – to make sure they're doing the right thing, making sure they're getting the, the right training in, they're looking after their bodies, they're eating the right food. Because again, where we're pretty much dictated to by the government, I mean, they could come, the government could come back in three or four weeks and say, right now everyone can go back to work, and we may only have a couple of weeks to prepare to play. So um, that's the most, that's the, it's very frustrating that, um, you know, the only contact I can have with the players is really checking in and seeing how their welfare is, um, you know, making sure they're, um, make sure they're coping okay but but a lot of them seem to be in the right spirit they seem to be um doing the right thing um but we all just want to get back to work don't we we um you know i think there's some plans on paper about july maybe over here to get back playing but you know we're, we're dictated to by the government you know it could be sooner it could be could be later it could be not at all so um that's frustrating at the moment but you know from a plan and staff point of view they all seem to be traveling okay Take me back 30 years ago and a world away to your uh, start of your career in Canberra. Yeah, look, I, um, you know, I was I was just a kid in the country town of Young, tr- doing my best. I finished school in, in 1992, and um, you know, that year I actually had quite a, I made quite a few rep teams. We had we had is you know I was from um, obviously the Riverina division. We won the country championships as, as an under 17 team there. You know, I was lucky enough to make you know the New South Wales under 17s team, and I made. Um, a couple of other merit teams too along the way and 
I was quite lucky. I had, um, um, you know, four or five clubs um, keen to get me down and um, get me down to their uh, club and I um, decided Canberra was the best fit for me. Obviously, only, only an hour and a half from uh, my hometown was was a big factor in that. And I actually, um, we actually had a guy by the name of Mark Lowry. He came out and coached Young in 1992. So, um, you know, I built a good relationship with him. He ended up going back to the Canberra Raiders in 1993. Um, so he had a stint out with us in between stints at the Canberra Raiders, and um, he had a big played a big part in getting me back, to, uh, getting me to go to Canberra. So um, again, I straight out of school. I was only young, and um, it was important that I stay close to my hometown, my family. So um, I, got, I got there in 1993 and um, had a couple of years in the under 21s uh, under Craig Bellamy. Back then, there was three grades playing all together on the same day, which was you know was was really good fun. And um, you know I. I um, I had uh, 12 months in the under 21s with Craig, and as a, as a seven, and um, him and Tim Sheens actually pulled me in at the end of the year, and, and pretty much told me they thought I was I was a dead set nine, and how would I feel about making that transition from seven to nine? And um, you know, obviously back then you'd do anything, you know, you'd do anything, well, you'd do anything now to to um, to give you every possible chance of, of making the grade, and that's um, where those two coaches felt that. Um, that was my best opportunity to, to um, make a career out of rugby league. So uh, my second year, I went into nine and um, in, in the 21s with Craig, and I, I never looked back. Tell me about Craig Bellamy, mate. There's got to be some stories there, surely. He just he looks like a plethora of entertainment over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, look, it was a real eye-opener for me. I mean, um, you know, I was only 18. I turned 18 my first year over there, and I was playing in the under-21s, and, um, you know, we played our first game at home on a Friday night. I, I remember it vividly like it was yesterday, and we had a good win against the Dragons, and, and um, you know, obviously through the preseason, you could see Craig was pretty intense, and, um, you know, you know, he was as fit as anyone, and he dem- his standards were high, and, you know, we went um, we went to round two. We went and played the West, uh, well, the Balmain Tigers at um, at Leichhardt, and um, and it was Ruben Wickie's first game. He got over here um, late late in the preseason. He was a late signing, so uh, it was Ruben's first game with us in the twenty ones. And you know, after the um, after the um, high of, of of round one win, you know, expectation were pretty high. And, and Ruben ha- actually came on and got sent off quite early in that game. He, he whacked someone around the chops and we ended up losing the game. And Craig came into the dressing room and he, he, there was a couple of bins there full and they they were kicked over. And I'd never witnessed anything like it in my life. You know, he, we, we got the biggest spray. And, you know, we're talking round two here. We, all, we all were a win and a loss. And, um, you know, like I said, it was a real eye for me. And, and Craig hasn't changed much. I know he's a, he's a lot older now, but um, you know he, he still fires up, and he's still um, you know by all reports we only need to watch him on the TV really. Um, you know he says he's tried to relax over the years, but it's very hard. It's ingrained in him, and you know quite a few stories. You know with Craig, I mean the same year. You know we used to train to train on a Saturday morning and um, get on a bus and, and drive up to Sydney and we used to um, he used to give us an hour or so after uh, training to go and get something to eat and get on the bus and one particular Saturday man a couple of my teammates we were back two minutes late for the bus and he left us behind so we had to get in the car <laughs> we had to get in the car and um, we end up chasing the bus down halfway to Sydney and we jumped on there but um, let's just say Craig wasn't too happy and he didn't get over it. And again, we lost that weekend too. So you can imagine uh, where the blame was laid there uh, come Monday. Mate, when you look at his career now, you know, he's gone on to be one of the greatest coaches rugby league's ever seen. Has it surprised you or, you know, is it sort of what you expected from what you saw of Craig Bellamy in his early years of his coaching career? 
Look, his career's no doubt been a fantastic one. I don't think anyone could have predicted the success he's had. But, you know, obviously the early signs that were there for Craig, he was hardworking, you know, he was passionate and um, he lives he lived and breathed rugby league then. I mean, back then, obviously, he, you know, that was his... That was his um, was his hobby really coaching he had a full-time job we all had full-time jobs and um you know coaching was three or four uh, nights a week and then of course game day of a weekend but you know obviously he was always he's always been dedicated and passionate and smart and lives and breathes the game so you know it, it doesn't surprise me that he's he's had some success but you know the amount of success he has had i guess um no one could have predicted but um it's certainly a great example of of um putting in the work and getting the results and he, he deserves all the all the um all the results he's had over the years, that's for sure. Mate, you said you arrived to Canberra as a halfback. I imagine the opportunity to go and play under Ricky Stewart would have been the opportunity of a lifetime at the time. Before you did move to hookup, what did you learn from uh, Ricky Stewart as the halfback? Well, you know, we again, yeah. When I when I went and visited the Raiders, you know, one of the guys, you know, Ricky was working in the, in the office back then out at Queanbeyan Leagues Club, and you know that that obviously, you know, the fact they had Ricky and. And, and Laurie and those sort of guys, it was obviously a no-brainer for me to go there. And you know, back then we used to have, you know, Ricky. We didn't have a lot of contact. You know, we'd have, we'd have a Tuesday night session as a club session, but um, you know, every every opportunity I got, I would, you know, whether it was doing some kicking or passing with Ricky. Now, you know, I, I I wasn't shy, and in that regard, I was I was you know I was forward in going over and making sure I, I started to learn off these sort of guys. I mean, pretty early on, I could see. And I, you know, I, I learned a lot off, you know, Ricky and, and um, you know, Clyde and Laurie. They were, they were all the ultimate professionals, those guys. And I learned pretty quickly what sort of work needed to go into being a successful um, rugby league player. And, um, you know, I, I pretty much ran off those guys, you know, as long as I could. I mean, I was, you know, obviously I changed positions, but, you know, I got to learn from those sort of guys for years and years to come and, you know, about the dedication and hard work that's required, the extra work that's required. You know, they were, like I said, they were second to none as far as their preparation and, and getting ready for footy games. So I was really lucky to have, you know, all those internationals um, at the club at the time. And like I said, I um, I milked it for everything I could and, um, and I learned as much as I could off all those guys. Tell me about your first grade debut playing with some of those huge names you mentioned. I imagine it must have been quite daunting for you. Well, you know, back then, it's funny you mentioned that word, Dawning, because back then, you know, things were really different as far as, you know, change. And, you know, my debut goes down as, as 1994, but, you know, it was only a 10-minute stint. But back in those days, um, you know, you could play under 21s and you could sit on the back on the bench for reserve grade, then you could sit on the bench for first grade. So, I um, mean, 1994, you know, again, it was a, it was a game at, uh, at Bruce Stadium playing the Roosters and, you know, Tim obviously had his couple of fresh reserves that he'd named during the week, but then the the, the other two guys Tim used throughout the game could be anyone. I mean, it could be one of 30, 40 people. So, you know, this was just, um, well, it was probably only the second, third time that I got asked to sit on the bench for, for first grade, but again, there was about 20 of us. So I didn't actually envisage ever getting a game and, you know, the Raiders we were winning, they were winning quite comfortably against the Roosters and for whatever reason, Sheensy just... Um, he just decided to pull pull um some Ricky off and put me straight on in the halves and um you know back then I was I wasn't even playing in the halves anymore I was a hooker so I, I don't know where it came from or what Shanzi was thinking but I, I didn't have any time to think about it at all it was just it was just pretty much germ you're on and um so I went down and had a quick warm up and on I went for ten minutes and I, I don't remember any of that that was just a blur but you know the same thing happened the year after in um, 1995 you know. Um, Steve Wallace was injured. Jason Deeth was um, playing nine at the time, and I was just back from injury. And I played a full game of 21s. And again, it was like most other weeks. 
you know, sat on the bench, you know, chewing the fat with my mates, not even thinking I'm going to get a run. And um, and Jason Deeth got injured. At, um, he, he got a head knock um, late in the first half. And back then there was a guy called Steve Stone too, who was, who was a hooker who'd played reserve grade that day. And he was sitting on the bench as well. And um, I'll never forget it. Um, the doc went and told uh, Tim that... Um, and I was, I was, it was just luck that I was close by and I heard the conversation. And the doc went and um, said to um, Sheensy that Jason Deeds no good, he can't go back on. And Tim spoke to one of the assistant coaches and they, and they were all mentioning, um, you know, the other assistant coach said, I'll, I'll go and grab Stoney. And, and Sheensy said, no, no, get me the kid. And I knew straight away he was talking about me. And I did shit myself then because I was going on at nine and I was going to play a full half against the Dragons. And, and uh, it was a, quite a close game. So, again, I didn't have really much time to prepare or think about uh, my debut, or so to speak. It was just a matter of, you know, warm yourself up, you're on. And, and that was a really good day for me. I, we ended up winning. I played really well. And I think um, a lot of confidence from that, knowing that, you know, I could be a hooker at, at at a first grade level and um you know i signed a new deal after that steve walters ended up getting a, um, a reconstruction at the end of the year so he missed the first half of 96 which which i played the whole you know i pretty much played the whole year in 96 i came off the bench you know once steve walters came back and we played a couple of semi-finals so it was a really good year and you know i guess that was the start of my journey as a nine in the nrl speaking of steve walters mate like i, I always look at steve walters and think like, if Cameron Smith didn't exist, for me, he's probably the best hooker that's ever played the game. What was it like coming through under him? It was great. Box was a great... He was a character. It was Obviously, he was probably the best nine at the time. You know, at that, at that time, he was, he was playing for Australia. He was playing Origin. So, you know, and that was a, we had a really dominant team back there back down there in the early 90s. As you know, the Raiders are un, unstoppable at times. So I was really lucky to, to learn my trade under Steve, learn plenty off him. And again, he was, he was, a, he was the ultimate professional too. So, um, you know, he, I got to spend a couple of years under Steve and obviously he moved on to the Cowboys and, and I was lucky lucky enough to stay at the Raiders. So um, I had a couple of years of a battle with Luke Prittis and then um, he ended up leaving to go to the Broncos. So, um, yeah, they were good times down there, that's for sure. You mentioned uh, your nickname earlier, Germ. Yeah, well, when I first – again, Craig was – Craig Bellamy was really good. He, he came up with a couple of nicknames for the boys in my first year there and they they still have stuck to this day. But, um, you know, there was a young um, – there was a young half – well, he was a little bit older than me. Um, in the 21s, be- the year before I got there, his name was Clint Zammett. He's up at the Cowboys now. He's the recruitment officer for the Cowboys, and his nickname was Virus, still is. So, um, you know, it was pretty early on in the piece where um, Craig decided I was I was the new Virus, and he gave me the nickname German, and, and it stuck. I, I remember the same year, you know, we were in a team meeting, and he was giving Luke DeVico a bollocking about, um, you know, getting to marker and, and doing not working from marker, and um, he said, Luke, you're at Marky, you're there like a big statue waiting for the birds to shit on you. And so he, um, he, Luke got statue from that day on. And, and again, to this day, uh, Luke's known as statue. So there, there were a couple of good ones from uh, 1993 that Craig came up with that stuck. And only a couple of years later that um, I had a, I had my first son, Zach, and um, and Sheensy tried to nickname him Bacteria, but the wife put a stop to that really quick. Probably for the best there. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. That's for sure. Tell me, mate, uh, not long after that, Mal Meninga takes over as coach of the Canberra Raiders. Um, you know, I, I always look at guys like John Morris and I think, geez, it must be difficult coming from being a player in the team to coaching them. How did you find Mal handled that? Look, it was tough for Mal, obviously. Um, 
you know, he retired in 94, didn't really have any, to my knowledge, he didn't have a lot of experience in coaching from, from 94 to 97. You know, it's, it's hard being a club great and, you know, he was going in straight into coaching, um, you know, Laurie and Ricky and all these guys, you know, all the guys he won a premiership only two or three years before. I was really hard for Mel and, you know, the, I, I'd be lying if I said there were, it was a smooth transition. There, there were obviously some issues along the way, you know, playing with these guys and then coaching them and, but um, I think Mal handled it pretty good. I mean, he had five years there. We we made some semi-finals. I guess there, there were probably some opportunities there where you know we had the team t- to do a little bit better. But um, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't. But um, I thought I think overall over the five years, Mal learned a lot. Um, you know, obviously he was he was new to 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 the head coaching role, hadn't had a lot of experience, and, and again, coaching. I don't think there's too many that come straight into coaching coach guys they play with it it doesn't end it doesn't end well many times but i thought mal mal made the best of it and um you know he, he coached us through to to 2000 obviously and we had some good times under mal that's for sure he was um he was he was good value and he loved to have a beer with the boys and uh, we had a lot of fun along the way that's for sure Tell me about after the year 2000, uh, Laurie Daly, the club captain, leaves. It sort of comes down to yourself and Ruben Wickey to take over as captain of the club. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, obviously a great, great honour for me. Um, I spoke to Mel, you know, in the year leading up to that, you know, a lot about the club captaincy. I think there was a game there um, in 90, earlier on, I'm not sure if it was 99, but uh, that when Ruben and I were actually, um, it might have been 2000, it might have been the year before Laurie left it. He wasn't playing, and, and Mal made myself and Ruben captains for the day, which was which was really good. But you know, there's actually there was actually Jason Croker too there in the mix to be to be club captain for from from 2001 onwards. So it was it was certainly an honour for me. It was something that um, spoken to me about quite often. You know, being a future captain of the club, and it was it was something that obviously you know, I was really keen to do, and I was really really pleased and honoured when um, when I was given the role for t- the 2001 season. Obviously, taken over from a good from a guy like Laurie was was um, a little bit daunting, and you know I didn't pro- I probably didn't handle it well the first year to be honest. I mean we lost we lost Laurie and um, Dave Ferner, Brett Mullins. Um, you know we'd lost a lot of senior. You know the year before Clyde and, and Ricky had left, so we'd lost five or six internationals in the space of twelve months there. So I sort of it was it was on me and me me alone to make sure you know we were successful. And you know that first year two thousand and one. Um, you know, did probably didn't handle it great, the captaincy. But um, you know, after that, I you know I learned a lot from that first year. And Matty Elliott certainly helped me a lot as far as, as far as leadership and and how to handle different situations and, and what's required of me and what's my responsibility and what's not. And you know, we had some good years after that. I mean, we um, you know quite often, well every year, you know, when lot you know from from where we lost all those internationals we were tipped to win the wooden spoon and i think we missed the semi-finals once you know in the next five years so we had, we had some good times i thought we we got the most out of the squad we had as we possibly could and um again we we um you know there was one one year there 2003 i think it was we won our first eight games and this is a year where we were, we were tipped to come last so we ended up making the top four that year and uh you know have a look at that team now and um, you know, it was it was it was a massive effort that year for the team. We had to to um, to win our first eight games and then um, go on to the, the semi-finals. And we had a close loss against the Warriors, 17-16 that year, to to go into the preliminary final. So, really good year for us. And um, you know, as far as the people outside our organisation are concerned, we we overachieved every year. That was for sure. But um, we had some good times down there. We don't get me wrong. We we trained hard and and we 
we won together, we lost together, and we had to be together. And I think um, I think that was a secret to um, to us, you know, doing a lot better than was expected of us ever in those years. Those years after those guys left, who uh, who was the best on the beers from uh, from that period at the, at the Raiders? Oh, yeah, Jason Croker. He's he's by far and away number one. He hasn't changed either to it. So I, I get a lot of snaps off him, you know, at whatever hours over here, and he's uh, still enjoying himself, Jason. And you know, back then, it was, you know, he, himself and, and Luke Tobago, those sort of guys. Look, we all, you know, later on in that in that period, Jason Smith came down for a year. At, um, and you know, came back from England and had a year with us. You know, he wasn't shy of a drink either. So, um, like I've I said, heard he's a very time. good time. Yeah, we had a great time. You know, we we whenever there was an opportunity to have a beer, we did it. And you know what, we were encouraged to. I mean, we um we behaved ourselves the majority of the time. There was no social media and a lot of phones not not around back then. So we 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 stayed clear and, and stayed out of trouble and did have a good. We had plenty of good times. That's for sure. Which which was which was important. Which was important. Tell me, mate. Like you sit on the um, on the record list for games for the Raiders, you know, right up there with the very best of them. Tell me, what was it like when you had to leave the club? Um, yeah, look, it was difficult. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'll be honest. You know, I went through a couple of years there. I, I got a lot of. I had. I went through the back end of my um, Raiders career. Got a lot of suspensions, and um, you know, I just felt. I just felt at the time. You know, I um, I relinquished the cap. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Captaincy at the end of um, 2005, so I had 2006 there, and, and Clint Shikoski took over. And you know, I, I remember the year before I missed the last seven games through suspension, and we missed the finals by two points. So I, it was the right time to to step back from the captaincy and just enjoy my final year of contract at the Raiders, and which I did. And um, to be honest, I just felt I needed I, 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 my first my first choice, my first preference was to come over to England, but that didn't work out, and and then. Um, you know, Laurie Daly was was doing some work with with Nathan Brown at the Dragons, so they um, that's the connection there. And so I ended up going there for a couple of years, and it was hard leaving the Raiders. And I look back, and um, you know, it was it was a tough time, but um, but I you know I enjoyed my time at the, at the Dragons. I've still got a lot of good new friends that that um, and relationships established when I went and had a couple of years down there. It was a great place to live, and we had again we had some good times there. But um, but it was tough. Yeah, I won't lie, it was tough being there for. 13 or 14 years or whatever it was and then and then having to leave but at the time I just I felt mentally I needed I needed a change if I was going to if I was going to continue to play it had to be somewhere else and um yeah there's, there's no regrets there that's for sure but it was a tough time mate obviously Nathan Brown was still reasonably young in his um, career how did you find him when you arrived at the club Brownie was good for me um you know um he obviously had a lot a lot to teach as far as uh, dummy half craft, you know, I see a lot of similar similarities, you know, to what Mal was going through when he came to the Raiders and took started to coach blokes he blokes he'd been playing with, um, you know, not so long ago. So you know, there there, there were obviously some um, challenges there for Brownie. You know, a lot of strong-minded senior players at the club at the time, and um, you know, you could tell that there was um, 
you could tell that, you know, there was times Brownie struggled, uh, you know, to be the boss, you know, around those guys. And uh, But again, yeah, he had some good success there. Brownie got to a couple of preliminary finals and made the semis most years. And um, But, you yeah, know, I found I found Brownie quite good. Um, I, you know, you're never too old to stop learning. And there was some things I definitely learned at the Dragons. But, um, you know, all in all, I enjoyed my time there, that's for sure. Mate, like a few years after you arrived there, they do go on to win that premiership in um, 2010 after Nathan Brown leaves and Wayne Bennett arrives. I was just having a look at the squad earlier today. Um, some of the guys you played with that were there in 2010, Gaznia, Soward, Nightingale, Young, Scott, Pryor, Morris, Hornby. Could you feel something special was sort of on the way from that young group of players? Look, I, you know, obviously that, that was a real... Um... That was one of the reasons I, I went there, really. I could see, you know, they'd been close a couple of years previous in preliminary, getting beaten in preliminary finals. And I thought, you know, they were close. And I was really excited about the opportunity to go there. I, I honestly thought I was going to go there and I was a good chance of winning a premiership. But, um, you know, my first year there, I remember Gaz tore his pack in the, um, in the charity shield. So he was gone for most of the year. And, um, you know, we'd never really at a full strength team and you know um it was a tough couple of years to be honest and I, it was funny i announced my retirement midway through 2008 and um i just mentally i just thought physically i felt fine but mentally i thought i'd had enough and you know i was i was i was 33 years old and i always envisaged that um that would that would be around the time i'd like to retire and, and i was lucky enough to get to the point where i could make that decision um, and then, um, you know, at the back end of that year, obviously afterwards, Nathan, Nathan got sacked and, and Wayne, Wayne got the job and, and, um, I actually had a conversation with Wayne. He pretty much, you know, he asked me to, um, if I'd consider coming back at uh, part time and, and playing on and I did consider it for a bit and I did a bit of training, but, um, end of the day, I just thought, you know, again, mentally I'd, I'd had enough and, you know, 2011, obviously 2000 and, um, nine my first year off they were pretty much unbeatable the dragons and you can imagine the thoughts i was having throughout the year when um when i decide when i decided not to go back and you know obviously wayne likes his his senior players his older players and um but you know they went on and they, they sort of went out the back door in 2009 and they had a fantastic year and won it in 2010 so um you know obviously the players were there everything was in place and obviously wayne being wayne came in and and um finished off finished it off and got the job done and had a, had a good squad. They had a really, really good squad there. And, um, you know, it would have been a tragedy, really, if that squad hadn't have won a comp at some stage. Mate, have you had a greater compliment in your life than Wayne Bennett asking you to hang around for another year? No, not really. Um, not really. I was pretty yeah, – at the time, I think because I'd, I'd announced my retirement months ago and I'd got my head around not playing again and, um, you know, that year was pretty tough too, you know, you know, Brownie didn't play me, you know, Brownie didn't play me, you know, for the full year. And I, I'd sort of, again, mentally, I thought, oh, you know, I've had enough. I've had a good run. It's It's got to the stage now where it's time for someone else. And, you know, if, if, if it had been a week or two after I announced my retirement and I was still playing, whatever, it might have been a different story. And who knows, I might have stayed there a couple of years under Wayne. He's, you know, since then he's... um. You know, he's brought back and hired guys a lot older than 33, well, a couple of year or two older than 33, 34. So, um, you know, again, but there's no regrets. I mean, you know, I'd had enough, um, but but it was certainly nice, you know, for Wayne to, to put that to me, that's for sure. Mate, as great as that premiership was in 2010, I you know, I couldn't help but feel sorry for Nathan Brown that, you know, he came in and he laid all the groundwork, he put that squad together. 
I kind of worry the same thing might be about to happen to him in Newcastle. I think he's put together a fantastic squad there and laid a great platform. It worries me the same thing happened in Newcastle as happened at the Dragons. It's every possibility. I'm not too sure the Knights... Yeah, well, I, I might be wrong. I'm not too sure they're as far down the track as far as winning a premiership as the Dragons were when Wayne took over. But, um, but you know, there's certainly, you know, you know, the first three years Nathan had at the Knights was hell. Um, you know, he he rarely assembled an NRL standard team in those first three years. But, um, you know, with it and, and gradually, gradually changed that squad dramatically, got some high-profile players in to build a team around. And uh, it was unfortunate he didn't get, a, you know, another year to sort of, Prove himself as a good as a good NRL coach. Um, he certainly did the hard yakka for two or three years, and well, about four years, and um, through hell, as I said, to get that squad to, to where it is now. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, they started the well year the Knights, and I still think there's a little bit of work to do there with their squad. But you know, obviously O'Brien's come in with you know Dave Ferner and Willie Peters have done a good job there early on, and. They've hit the ground running, so, um, you know, who knows? Who knows where the Knights will get to this year when we get back playing. You retire in 2007. You uh, you take up the coaching role with uh, Huddersfield in 2018. Tell me about that 10-year span there. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of former players, and they tell me that they really struggle with the post-football um, transition period. How did you find it? Yeah, look, look. I, I wouldn't say I struggled. I mean, I, I was lucky enough. Um, you know, I I went straight into some part time work with Fox Sports, so I was I was working Saturday Sundays at the at the footy. I was, I was doing some stuff midweek, so I was I was still involved in the game. So I think that made it a lot easier for me. Um, you know, I, I did that for three years, and um, obviously that came to came to an end, and and I decided I'd get into some coaching. I did some part-time stuff, stuff at the Raiders, and I coached, um, I coached the Queanbeyan Blues from um, 2012 or 13 for three or four years, and um, you know I had a bit of success there, and realised that you know coaching was something I wanted to pursue. And um, you know I continued doing some part-time work under Dave Ferner at the Raiders, and then under Ricky. And um, it was funny, I went to um, start to look for a full-time job, a full-time coaching job. And, uh, I went to Dean Young's mum's funeral down in Wollongong in um, 2017 and um, it was the first time I'd run into Nathan Brown for, for quite some time and um, we got talking about coaching and what I was doing, where I was at, what I wanted to do and um, he pretty much rang me two weeks later and offered me a full-time gig at the night. So um, so that was that was really, really, you know, really, really lucky and um, so I ended up going up there for 2017 and yeah, that must have been 2016, 2017. I started at the Knights and had a good year with with the New South Wales Cup team. Again, it's not what you know too, you know. And um, 2018, the Huddersfield Giants um, job came up, and obviously Nathan coached here for three or four years and had had a bit of success here and had good relationships with with the the owner and the um, CEO over here. And so I applied for the job. Nathan gave me a good rap, and um, I interviewed for the job, and I was lucky enough to get it. So. Um, I find, found myself here mid mid two thousand and eighteen, so I've been here since. Um, so yeah, again that ten years since I retired's gone really quick. But but the answer to your question, now you know, there's certainly been stages where I've you know, especially when I was working for Fox, if I was doing a, a Raiders game on a, on a Saturday night or a Sunday, I'd you know there were definitely times where I thought, gee, I'd like to be out there. But um, you know, I certainly wasn't one of those players that that um, struggled a lot um, post footy. That's for sure mentioned uh, your relationship with Nathan Brown quite a few times. Obviously, your son, Zach, was at Newcastle last year. How did he find his time with Brownie? 
Um, yeah, no, he, Zach, Zach had a, um, you know, he didn't have a great year up there, to be honest. I mean, um, you know, he, he had a good, really good pre-season and um, he put on a lot of bulk. He put on a lot of a lot of weight as far as muscle was concerned. And they tried to um, to play him at nine and, and, and lock and it didn't really work out for Zach. And, it, you know, it was a really disappointing year for him. And, um, you know, we had to sort of go back to the drawing board at the end of end of last year and, you know, he stripped a lot of that muscle off in the pre-season and, um, you know, had a really good pre-season with Newtown and had they, obviously they had a good win round one and then they don't look like playing a game since. So it hasn't been a good, good couple of years for Zach. It's really hard this day and age to, to, to get in and it's really, you really do need to be at the right place at the right time and you need to work hard and you just need to wait for your opportunity. I mean, it's not like the situations I've spoken about earlier on where, you know, you know, the coach can pick any one of 20 or 30 players to sit on the bench and you might get a run. It's top 30. If you're not in that top 30, you can't play NRL. So it's a lot It's a lot different these days, a lot harder. Um, it's get, going to get even harder maybe down the track with, with what's happening at the moment. Who knows, you know, where squads are going to end up next year. So, you know, Zach's, Zach hasn't had a great run the last two or three years. You know, he's had some hurdles put in front of him that he's had to overcome. But um, he works hard. He's got a good attitude and he's not about to give up just yet. Mate, I saw um I saw quite a bit of him two or three years ago when he was playing for Canterbury. One of my best mates was in his team, and um so I ended up watching quite a bit of them. And fuck, it's scary to think how well he handled himself in New South Wales Cup. How talented he looked there, and you know he hasn't been able to crack it in first grade. It just shows, like it is just so goddamn difficult to make it, isn't it? It is, you know, and like I said, it's it's been been at the right place, right time, you know, to get the right opportunity too. I mean, um. You know, there's there's plenty of other players out there that that you can you can see that you know they have been at the right place at the right time and they've got an opportunity they've played well and they've kicked on and um, you know I, I still firmly believe that um, if Zach gets his opportunity he'd be good enough to handle it but um, you know when that day's whether that day's going to come at all it, it's 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 tough um, he's like I said he's 23 years old he's had quite a few obstacles thrown in front of him I mean he was set to get an opportunity at the Bulldogs the year after you spoke about there and in, in the um when they won the comp in um in the Canterbury Cup that year um but um he was it was there set to get an opportunity that year but he he had a growth in his jaw that had to get cut out two weeks before pre-season trials and he missed 14 weeks of footy so you know he was lucky to get back mid-year and get himself into some form and, and go on that run you speak about in the, in the New South Wales Cup and he obviously won the comp there and won the stake championship as well. He had a really good finish to that year. But but again, early on in the year was his opportunity maybe to, to um, prove himself at NRL level and that was taken away from him. And, um, you know, he hasn't really recovered from that. And, and um, you know, that's the way it is at the moment with top 30s. And, you know, there's been other clubs looking for, for backup nines over the last 18 months, but they all want... You know, they're all looking for a nine that's had NRL experience. So it's put Zach in a really tough position. But uh, he'll keep fighting for now. Like I said, he's not about to give up. But, um, you know, he certainly needs a needs a, a break in some luck at some stage soon. Oh, mate, like he absolutely brained it for that uh, for that Canterbury side in the final series a few years ago. It, it, as I said, it shocked me he hasn't got a gig anywhere. Mate, would you would you ever consider, you know, having him over at your team over there? Would, would you ever coach him? Or is it sort of something you want to separate yourself from a little bit? Yeah, no, that's not something I'd want to, you know, want to, I wouldn't want to go down that route. Um, you know, it's just not worth the trouble. You're just leaving yourself open, aren't you? And, you know, you, you know, over here the rules are so tight. Anyhow, you, you need to have played X amount of NRL games for the previous two years for you to even qualify to come over here. So, you know, that question's been asked to me a number of times before, but 
um, you know, that's it's not possible anyhow. So, um, you know, that, that won't be anything I'll have to deal with in the future. Um, it's very hard to come over here. You're, you've either got to be have a UK passport or you've got to have played 50% NRL games in your previous two years in Australia. So, um, you know, that counts him out. Tell me, mate, what have you learned about coaching over the last two or three years over at Huddersfield? Well, it's been it's been a learning experience, that's for sure. I mean, um, it's, it's a little bit different over here. I mean, um, you know, had a really tough year last year. Um, you know, we started the season with eight or nine of our players, our, our 17, out of our top 17, unavailable for selection. So I learned a pretty pretty big lesson early on that make, you know, about your performance staff, making sure making sure you got the right people in the right positions there. We, um, you know, we got a, we got a few things wrong in the pre-season. We had a lot of our main players on the sideline for the first four to six weeks. So, you know, I thought we had a competitive team there that we, you know, we could compete week in, week out with some luck with injury. But, um, you know, we didn't give ourselves a chance last year. We, you know, we um, we, all, we lost our first five games or we all won from six or something like that. And our season was over. It was more about rescuing the rest of the year and making sure... You know, we stayed in Super League, which which was tough. Was really tough. We we never really got anything that resembled our full strength team on the park. I learned that um, making sure um, that you've got the right people under you is, is really really important, particularly from a performance staff side. Um, you know, getting players on the paddock is paramount, and um, it's very hard when when that doesn't happen. So, you know, there's been a lot of things along the way though. Um, you know, managing players and managing staff and rea- how you react to different scenarios, all those things, you know, you've got to learn along the way. You know, I'm a young coach and if you don't learn from those those sort of um, experiences and, you know, sometimes when you get it wrong, you say the wrong things, you react the wrong way, um, you've got to learn from that along the way. And um, if you don't, you're a mug really and you won't last long in this game. Tell me about your new captain, Aiden Caesar. Um, from the little I've watched of you guys this year, he seems to have just had a massive impact on your team. Obviously, you know, he came off a huge year in the NRL last year, going all the way to the NRL Grand Final. I don't think there was a better possible time to sign Aiden Caesar. Tell me about the influence he's had on your club. We were lucky. We were, we were lucky with Cease. Again, I talk about right place, right time. Um, you know, um, obviously, Cease had a great year, but they had George Williams coming. They had Jack White in there on a lot of money, doing a good job in the half, so something had to give at the Raiders. And hopefully, you know, we've got a good relationship with Don there and, you know, we spoke about, you know, the prospect of them releasing C's a year early, which they were obviously prepared to do because, again, they were overstocked with good halves, with good halves. And that decision was made early on in the year and, and obviously after that they've gone to a grand final and C's has been their half and got them to a grand final. So um, it was a great opportunity for us to get a, a top-notch seven. I mean, we had... Again, I talk about, you know, 2019, we had a poor year, we had a lot of injuries, but we also had, you know, our halves were all young and, you know, you put on Matt Frawley came over and he was, he was still only young too and, you know, we, we were switching with him and another young half, an English half, and we just couldn't get that right and we just we just felt at the back end of last year we really needed to get, you know, an experienced half who, was, who, who, who had the ability to take control of our team and you know, I spoke to C's a few times and, um, you know, I was confident at times that he was going to come, and other times I thought maybe it wasn't going to happen. But you know, I, I got to catch. I, w- I was in Australia for a week leading into their preliminary final um, against South Sydney, and they obviously went on to win that. So I, I was able to catch up with him quickly after that game early in the week before he got into his grand final preparation. Before I came back 
to England and, you know, really um, appealing for Cease to, to come over and own the team and have his own team. I felt it was something he was he was um, looking to do. He was looking for that opportunity. Um, so, you know, I was really lucky, you know, to drag out a little bit the Raiders going on so deep into the into the grand final. You know, obviously didn't want to make a decision until their campaign was over. So once that was once once the grand final was over and he sobered up after a week a week on the turps, he um, he decided to come out. He decided he wanted to come over. So we were really lucky there, and his influence on the group was pretty um, was pretty positive from the from the get go. Um, you know, I thought you know it's a different game over here, a little bit different over here. You know, one referee and um, you know ruck interpretations and all that are a lot different. So I thought it might take him a little bit of time to um, his head around and get used to the different style. But um, you know, he hit the ground running. Um, you know, our 5'8 our league Gaskell's been around a while too. He's 30 years old. He's experienced. He's, he's one of the better, you know, sixes over here as well. So they, they struck up a great partnership straight away. And, and uh, you know, we won four out of our first five games. It's just disappointing that we're at a hold at the moment. But um, hopefully when we get back, we can we can kick off where we left left off. Tell me, mate, another one of your current players, another former NRL player, Kenny Edwards, seems to be one of the more colourful characters. Tell me about Kenny. <laughs> Yeah, Kenny, he's colourful, but uh, you know, again, he's he's got a different personality, Ken, and he's probably, you know, different personality that we needed here. I mean, you know, you know, this club has um hasn't had any success for a long time, and you know, we've, like I said, we just we just um, missed being relegated last year, and there've been other couple of instances over the years where the the club's been in that relegation zone. So, um, you know, some, some changes need to be made. I, I mean, I realised when I took the job that. Um, the squad I took on was probably, you know, two or three years down the track, there were going to be a lot of change to that squad. And, you know, um, Kenny's very hyperactive. He's very vocal and he's got plenty of energy and he's a different character that we needed at, at our club. And, um, you know, it took a little bit of time there. We, you know, with Kenny, we had to, um, you know, he's one of those guys you have to pull back. Not, not You don't have to encourage or nudge him. You have to pull him back at times. So that, that took a little bit of little bit of work with Kenny early on in his time here, but um, now he's been great for us. I mean, I can't fault him. His he's attitude towards his foot is great. He trains great. You know, he hasn't, um, you know, he doesn't drink anymore. Ken, I think it's been over 12 months since Ken's had a beer. So he's got a young family and he's got his head screwed on, Ken. And, um, um, you know, again, he's a player that's come here to, he wanted to come here and be a leader. And um, that was, again, that was one of the reasons that, you know, I wanted to get Ken here. I thought he could he could be a leader and he's doing a fantastic job for us at the moment. Billy has got a lot of talent in him, doesn't he? Look, he does. He's 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 a great player, Ken. I mean, you know, even when he was in the NRL, he was a handful. I mean, I actually tried to get him here once, you know, when he left Parramatta, but um, obviously, um, it was a lot easier for him to get into France. You know, he was there within a couple of weeks, so he stayed there a couple of years, and he gave me a, a call out of the blue and said he was keen again. And um, so, you know, we went through the process with his manager and. Again, I, I was, you know, there were times there where I didn't think that was, you know, I was more confident with the C's deal, to be honest, than Kenny's. But we eventually got there and, um, again, he's really embraced the Huddersfield culture and, you know, town. And, um, you know, he's been good for our footy team. And, and like I said, look, we've, you know, we've won four out of our first five. So, you know, at the same time last year, we're sitting at the bottom without a win. So so we've come a full circle and, um, you know, having, having quality guys like C's and Kenny and, you know, James, James Gavay's here as well. He, he had a bit of a slower start to the year, James. Not a slower start, but, um, you know, he, 
got here a bit late and um, he's had a, had an injury most of the preseason, so he didn't get a lot of a lot of running into his into his preseason. So we we brought James in slowly, you know, played him um, minimal minutes early on, and it was just getting up to getting getting some good game time before the break. So um, those guys, you know, they're, they're professional professionalism they've bought from from the NRL system has been good, and I think it's lifted the standards of of our English players. There's no doubt about that. So before I let you go, mate, I'm going to shoot three out of the cannon at you. Who's the best player you played with or against? Um, best player I played with, it's very hard. I mean, you know, early days, you know, Ricky and Laurie, obviously. And, you know, when Jason Smith came, um, Jason Smith came to the club in 2006, we had a fantastic year that year. And, you know, had all the time in the world. So, you know, those those three guys are the best players I've played with. Toughest player you played against or with? Oh, Ruben. Ruben Wiki. That's a no-brainer. Mad. Mad Ruben, M-A-D. Who's been the worst roommate you've had? Jason Croker. Never never used to close the bathroom door. It used to drive me mad. <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I congratulate you on everything in your playing career, and I wish you all the best for the future with um, Huddersfield over there, mate. Thanks very much for having me. It's It's been great. Four weeks of lockdown. I'm all, always looking for things to do, so I appreciate you touching base with me, and um, all the best for the future, mate. Too easy, mate. Take care. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Rugby League Guru Podcast once again. Stay tuned this week. We've got a pretty loaded few days coming up. We've got our top five players of round eight dropping over the next two days. And then I believe we've got Natty joining us again to preview all things round nine of the NRL. It's going to be a big week. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. And if you're enjoying it, share with all your mates. Keep kicking the corners. And remember to always play smart footy.